Good morning, Journey Church. How are you all doing? Doing all right? Happy Father's Day. What a good day to celebrate. Um, very excited to be here with you. Uh, again, like Pastor Aaron said, my name is Kenji Kuriyama. I am the, the Kafa missionary or director uh, at The Ohio State University. Uh, so, oh, H. Thank you. Yes, praise God. It's a good church, yeah. I know as I was driving up from Columbus, I knew I was approaching closely to enemy territory, so I knew that some of you may not scream I.O., but uh, Jesus is good, so I love you too, Michigan fans. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, so I wanted to explain today to you um, our ministry a little bit. Uh, this is our family. So my, my wife, Sierra, and our two kids, uh, Inori and Micah, um, we're all in Columbus. Uh, we moved there about three years ago. So um, Kai Alpha is the uh, campus ministry uh, that we have. It's, it's a student group on campus at, at OSU. Uh, we're in about 300 secular universities all around the nation. I actually got saved in Chi Alpha. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know Jesus. And in Chi Alpha, I got to know uh, Jesus. So I also i am not American. Um, you will tell from my accent and different idioms that I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, I grew up in Costa Rica. My mom is Costa Rican, and my dad is actually Japanese. That's where the name comes from. So I'm half Japanese, half Costa Rican. Uh, there's about, you know, 50 of us in the world. So not all of us <laughs> exist. We're in danger of extinction. <laughs> so just have to, you know, procreate so we keep the lineage. And some people ask me, do you know another Costa Rican Japanese people? It's like, yes. They're like, that's, him. that's amazing. Who? I said, my sister, <laughs> you know. It's like, yeah, of course. Um, they think I'm cheating. But I do actually know my best friend is Japanese Costa Rican too. Um, but anyways, I, I came to the United States uh, in 2005 and came to know Jesus through Chi Alpha. I, I love Chi Alpha, and the Lord called us to uh, come to Ohio State. Um, so there's a picture of when we started. It was in 2020, so there were a lot of restrictions at Ohio State, and it was a very difficult time to uh, start ministry, but the Lord provided. Um, we found some students, uh, some who knew Jesus, some who didn't know Jesus, and uh, we started teaching them about the gospel, and this is what it looks like right now. We are about 50 or 60 uh, people connected to our ministry. We're going to have 20 or so leaders that are going to be leading Bible studies next year. So if you can pray for that, um, the great things are happening uh, at Ohio State uh, for Jesus, you know. Uh, people think that people go to secular universities to lose their faith, um, but I came to a secular university to find my faith. So if you can pray for Ohio State, it's a very dark place. Yeah, praise God, right? Um, another really sad, sad statistic is that about 60% of our youth, you know, who Someone like Pastor Aaron pours and pours, I mean, tears and, and investment in, in you parents, you know, raise them up as, as good as you can. 60% of them lose their faith in, in a secular university. A lot of people are scared to send them because of that. Um, but what, I'm, what I think is send them to Ohio State, you know, because they'll know how to have their faith for their own. They don't come to church because their parents told them to. They don't come to Chi Alpha because anyone told them to. They come because they want to know Jesus. Or Jesus are, are, are bringing them in. Um, so we're not just a ministry that, you know, protects Christians. We're also discipling students to go out and, and share the gospel of Jesus. That's something that we do. Um, and that's what, something what I want to talk about this morning as I explain what Chi Alpha is. The name Chi Alpha 
is uh, the Greek letter is XA, which means um, Christos Apostoloi in, in Greek, which means Christ ambassadors. So we're ambassadors of Christ. So in our name, uh, we believe that, you know, we're here to represent Christ and, and to show the world who our Savior is, who, who God is. Um, so when we think of an ambassador of Christ, what do they do? That's what I want to talk about uh, this morning. So, you know, some people call, call us missionaries and ministers, you know. It doesn't really mean anything. We're all ambassadors of Christ. That's what the Lord has, has called us to. And it seems difficult. It seems scary. But this morning I want to tell you that it's a very simple thing. So let's go to uh, John 1. So we go to John 1. Uh, there's a story. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It says, the next day, um, oh, it's, it's verses 43 uh, through 51. That's where we are. John 1, 43 to 51. This is the very beginning of when people started to know about Jesus, this guy who, who was just incredible. And it's a, a story about two guys here. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip was walking with Jesus for a little while so that he was incredible. So verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then he says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathan asked. And then Philip says the most profound things around this, this passage. He says, come and see. He says, come and see. That's a very simple thing that he says. At the core of it, all we have to do as ambassadors of Christ is what Philip did. It's to say, come and see. We need to have the, the experience of Jesus, the, the excitement of, of knowing him and being in his presence. Um, but once you have known his presence, then this is all we have to do. And I, I think it's just like Ohio State football, okay? So if you can give me just one second. <laughs> Ohio State football, uh, some people, you know, totally love Ohio State football. But do you know why? It's because they went to the horseshoe. They went to this, the Ohio Stadium. If you've never been, you know, 100,000 you know, 100, people plus fit in this place, when you go to Ohio Stadium, there's nothing like it. I call it the horseshoe experience. If you're not a fan of football, if you go to the horseshoe experience, I tell you, you'll come out a fan of Ohio State. Um, especially international students who've never watched football. If you go, if you take them to Ohio Stadium, they're like, what is this incredible American thing? And they'll forever be Buckeyes, you know. I call it the horseshoe experience. But did you know that um, Ohio State football was not always great? We actually used to lose to Worcester College. I don't even know how to say it. Worcester College. Um, back in the day, you know, in 18... Like 80s or whatever, when football was invented, Worcester College used to beat Ohio State so bad. I mean, 43-0, 51-0, just so so bad. And now, you know, we're the best football team in the universe. You know, so what happened? What happened? What happened was people just loved Ohio State football. They just loved Ohio State football. They saw the guys. They saw what it, they saw. They started saying, "People, hey, come on, we gotta come support these guys." And the more they preached about Ohio State. The, the more money they, they, they brought and the better coaches we got, you know, like Coach Woody and all that stuff. And then, you know, we had championships over championships. What happened? People just loved Ohio State football and people invited people to Ohio State, to, to, the, to the stadium. Um, and, you know, it may be like a really good news, Ohio State, you know, like come and see. And 
Honestly, some people's lives change because the parents are like, you will go to Ohio State, <laughs> you know, because their football team is incredible. So it may change lives in, in some sort of way, but it does not change eternity, okay? It may be fun, but the gospel of Ohio State football comes nowhere close to the amazing gospel that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, in the gospel that we have, Jesus changes the very core of a person, you know. With Jesus, the sick becomes healed, and I don't mean just physically sick. Those who are mentally, spiritually, um, emotionally wounded, they become healed. The angry becomes calm. The depressed regain desire and purpose. The selfish becomes generous. The hateful becomes loving. The discouraged and negative becomes positive and hopeful. The impatient becomes patient. The unsatisfied becomes content. The prideful becomes humble. The gospel that we have is the answer to so many seemingly hopeless things in this world. And I think one of the greatest gifts is forgiveness. To be able to, the, the, the ability to be able to forgive and to be forgiving. Um, broken relationships get, become mended in the gospel of Jesus. Siblings that didn't talk to each other, are, they're able to become friends. Relationship with parents improve. Uh, bad parents become good parents. Uh, bad leaders become good leaders. Bad bosses learn to ha manage pe people better and with more dignity. Communities and, and neighborhoods, they become just better. This is the gospel that we believe in. And these are the attributes that we found in, find in the Bible um, in, in Jesus. But my question is, do, you, do we believe in this gospel? And have we experienced this gospel? If you say you believe this gospel, are the surroundings around you, are they changing? And, and if not, I want to welcome you to the horseshoe experience, figuratively. We're not really talking about Ohio State. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the kingdom of God. What I, what I mean is we need to experience God and experience him in a genuine way if he's real. There's a person who experienced him. His name is Paul. So if we go to 1 Timothy 1, uh, verses 12 through 17, uh, he explains this experience that he had. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for the very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example of those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So sometimes we look at the Apostle Paul who wrote so many books in the Bible, and we say, oh man, he's so wise, so intelligent, you know, so articulate, so intimidating. Um, but the fact of the matter is that all Paul is doing is what Philip did. Paul had an incredible experience in the road of Damascus, and then he just started telling people, come and see. Come and see what happened to me. I was a sinner. I was one of the worst ones. And look, I'm now preaching the gospel because something happened in me. Paul had the horseshoe experience, and he just wants other people to experience um, the same. You know, he was a different person. Paul was a persecutor. He now became the persecutor because he was preaching the gospel. 
He was violent, but became gentle and kind. He was a blasphemer, but became the proclaimer of truth, all because and only because of King and Savior, Jesus. He became gentle because Jesus is gentle. He became kind because Jesus is kind. He found truth in Jesus. He was persecuted and suffered because Jesus suffered for him and persecuted for him. He's only repaying the blessings that Jesus uh, blessed him with, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, some people go to Starbucks to the drive through and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I'll pay for the car behind me. Have anyone... I've never experienced that, but I've heard that that happens. I'm hoping and praying that one day it happens to me. Um, but honestly, like, I should be doing that, you know. Uh, but obviously, when you, when you do that, the car behind you has, like, eight lattes, you know, so it's, like, 50 bucks. Um, but, hey, you know, we love Jesus, so we do it in, in joy, right? We have a phrase in Chi Alpha that we talk about a lot, and it says, what God has done in you, he will do through you. What God has done in you, he will do through you. He wants to do through you. The way the Lord bless you, there are ways for you to bless others with whatever he blessed you with, you know. Um, and it's not just free drinks and kindness and, and, and all these things, but it's Jesus himself. We're bringing people Jesus himself. And if not, we're bringing them to Jesus. Um, the, the acts of kindness and, and blessings are important and a huge benefit of the kingdom. But the most amazing thing is what they lie behind these things. And it's the life-changing Jesus. That's what we're, we're bringing to people. He's the king of kings, the lord of lords. And my favorite one, he's the friends of friends. The one who satisfies. The one that changes your life. The one that has the power to transform you. So if you have experienced this wonderful, life-changing Jesus, let's take people to the horseshoe. Figuratively, obviously. Um, let's save up some money, you know. Let's buy a really good ticket so that they can experience a good game. You know, not a game, again, record, not a game again, Rutgers or any weak team like that, but, you know, something like Penn State or Michigan, you know, that would be a good game. Um, not the past few years, you know, but, you know. <laughs> the ones where we win, you know, it's a good game. But if you see, you know, the gospel of OSU is flawed, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ always wins. So let's talk about how much we love this kingdom of God. Let's show people how much Jesus has changed you. How powerful the amazing Bible is. They're going to say, so this Bible written 2,000 years ago to Jews in, in, in you know, all these places, you think that's relevant today in 21st century America? And you say, yes, it is. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Let me tell you why. And, and you tell them why, but you have to read the Bible to tell them why. You, know? uh, you have a, need to have an experience with Jesus, right? Um, Sharing the gospel, inviting people to the kingdom of God should be the most exciting and the most life-giving thing. Another thing we say is it's not hard to share good news. The gospel is good news, right? It's not hard to share good news. But if it's hard, maybe it's not good news for you. Because good news is really easy to tell, you know. When somebody, you know, was, you know, like healed from cancer, you know, survived cancer, that's good news. You tell everybody. It's not difficult. But if it's difficult to share, maybe it's not good news for us. So this morning, I want to introduce you to the person who invited me to the horseshoe experience. And I'll stop talking about the horseshoe. <laughs> His name is Jacob. So I went to uh, college in 2005. I moved to the United States. I went to Louisiana State University. Um, and I was a music major, okay? And uh, I was a um, um, classically trained guy. Composition was my major, so I write music. That was my, my studies, you know. And... Um, it was a big passion of mine, but it's also a source of pride in my life. So I'll tell you a little bit about my, my upbringing. I was blessed with a good family. 
uh, never divorced or anything. You know, I grew up very stable. But my dad, he's very Japanese. And uh, he's a stoic Asian Japanese man who doesn't show his emotions. You know, bless him. Uh, he tried his best. But um, my dad, you know, was very affectionate with me <laughs> until I was six years old. And when I was six, for some reason, he, like, you know, hugged me and kissed me in front of my friends. And I got embarrassed. So I, like, pushed him. I was six. Pushed him and said, Dad, don't do that to me anymore. And it broke his heart, apparently. Uh, he hasn't hugged me for the next 30 years, you know. Uh, so he, my dad, we haven't hugged for that long because he was like, I embarrassed my son. But that's his Japanese way, you know. Um, so I just didn't have that affection from my dad growing up. So when you don't have that, sometimes, you know, you try to get attention from other places. So I got really good at the piano, and I was showing off my piano skills to other people. Um, and they knew I was doing it out of pride, pride you know. Um, I didn't grow up in church, but I acted like I knew God. And, you know, spiritually, I thought I was, like, really, I don't know, a saint or something. You know, I was trying to tell people how holy I was, although I didn't even go to church. It was really strange. But pride feels good, and it gives you this recognition and acceptance that you don't get in other areas of your life. Um, and a lot of them, you know... You have pride because you have insecurities, you know. My insecurity was my dad didn't, you know, feel like I, he didn't love me, so I needed to find somewhere else. Um, also grew up chubby, you know, and I had a bully in my school that made fun of me, so I grew up just feeling insecure a lot. And the answer for me was always get really good at the piano, lose a lot of weight, and then I feel the confidence again. But the pride was just out of control, you know. Um, so moving on, I was a, a music major, and I was in the choir of, of my school, and there was a pianist, and that was Jacob. He was the accompanist of my choir, you know. He was really cool. He loved soccer. He was a very normal guy. Uh, he was good at the piano, but he was really humble and nice, you know, something I wasn't. And he was goofy, funny, but, you know, he, was, he took things very seriously when it came to, came to faith and piano and stuff like that. So one of my favorite memories about Jacob um, was early on in my friendship, I was practicing piano in a practice room. And then um, Jacob comes and looks at me, so opens the door. He's like, hey, Kenji, you're doing great. Sounds awesome. You know, I just thought I would say that. All right, I'll see you. That's my favorite memory of Jacob. The reason why is because in my country, the word acquaintance doesn't exist. Everybody's a friend. <laughs> but in America, you have friends and then, like, you have acquaintances, you know. You, you're not my friend. You are sort of a known person that I have not decided that you're my friend. And that was something that made me really lonely in America because I didn't know that concept. Um, also, I thought I was a cool music guy that didn't need friends, although, like, I struggle with loneliness, so it makes no sense, you know? But I was like, oh, I'm so cool, I don't have any friends. <laughs> I don't have any friends, you know, just crying. But Jacob opened the door of my practice room and said hi. I was like, I think that's a friend, <laughs> you know? I think I found a friend. So I saw him passing out flyers about Chi Alpha. So I went, I went to go say hi to him and say, you know, that's, that's, a, that's my friend. You know, he's not an acquaintance. He's my friend because he opened the door of my practice room and said hi. You know, things are getting serious. I'm going to go say hi to my friend Jacob. You know, I mean, you see the desperation of an international student. Like, he's my friend, you know. And I asked my friend, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's Chi Alpha. It's like, okay, what is that? And he tells me it's a Christian group. I was not interested, but my friend invited me. So, I mean, if my friend invited me, I'm going to go because I have nothing else to do because I have no friends, you know. Um, so I go to Chi Alpha because Jacob was my friend. 
And in Kayalfa, I found some devout Christians. They started making a little bit more friends in Kayalfa. But then I realized how serious these people took Jesus, you know. And I didn't know if they're putting on a show or they're for real. So for about a year, I was just sort of examining them, you know, until they show themselves. But after a year, a year all I realized was these people absolutely loved God. So I started reading the Bible because they were reading the Bible. I started praying because they were, read, they were praying. And um, never read the Bible before, so I started reading Matthew. And then in chapter 6, there's this really incredible teaching about Jesus that says, if you pray, you got to close the door of your room. And I said, oh, that's really strange. <laughs> because when you pray, it's so that people see you, and they're like, oh, that person is so holy. Remember, I was full of pride. There's no other reason why to pray. But then Jesus is telling me, I need to close the door. So I go to my dorm room, close the door, and I start talking to God. And it's so awkward because this person doesn't talk back. So I'm just talking to myself, it sounds like. Say, so, hey, God, how are you? Um, my day was good. Thank you. You know, um, I was, bye-bye. <laughs> you know, I went to bed. Um, that was strange. The next day, well, my friends pray. They feel like they have this really good connection. I'm going to try again. Hey, God. Hey, my day was good. Oh, you, I think you did that. That was a blessing. Thank you. You know, bye-bye. Um, but I did that, and I started doing that and more and more. And then this person starts talking back. He starts speaking to my, to my life. And it's not in my ears. I'm not hearing him, like, audibly. But it's, like, directly to my heart. Um, but then this person who knows, apparently knows everything about me, you know, then he starts touching, like, talking about touchiest parts of, of my life, you know, about, hey, Kenji, have you noticed you're really prideful? I'm not prideful. I'm really humble and gentle. You should learn from me. Like, oh, you know that. Oh, yeah, of course you know that, you know. It's like, oh, my gosh. He's like, hey, Kenji, hey, you deal with, you know, sexual immorality, right? He's like, oh, yeah, you saw that too. Um, hey, Kenji. You know, you seem like you, you know me, but you really don't know me. You don't even know the Bible. You barely started Matthew, and why do you pretend like you know me when you don't? And then all these things started getting real. I started realizing about these things, and I realized there's this sin that was on my shoulders. <laughs> and all this pride that I was showing was because of my insecurities, and I wanted to feel better. And no, nothing that I did in my pride actually made me feel better. It actually made me feel more and more heavy. And then the more he, he, he showed me my sin, the more I realized I need a savior. I need somebody to take this away from me. And then Jesus said, hey, I can do that. I did that for you 2,000 years ago. All you have to do is just accept my, the forgiveness and, 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 and make me Lord of your life. And I said, if this take, you can take that away, of course, which would be my Lord. And I accepted my, I gave my life to Jesus at a secular university in a dorm room when I closed my door because I started reading my Bible. Why? Because Jacob was reading his Bible. Because my friends were praying and it inspired me. I wanted that genuine thing. We have that horseshoe experience, that experience with God that we just can't do anything about because he's just so incredibly amazing. All we have to do is say, hey, come and see. Come and see what the Lord has done in my life. Um, so growing up, um, another thing that was really, you know, just terrible is, you know, my, my relationship with my sister was really bad. And like, um, I just, I hated my sister. And because of that, she hated me too, you know. And there's one thing I, I used to do that is it, just, even if you're not a, a Christian, it's terrible. But I, I used to make fun of her weight, you know, especially when I had lost weight. And it's just really, really bad, you know, um. And, and that was just the thing. And she was really hurt. 
And then I met Jesus. He started transforming me. You know, I go to him and I talk to him and he starts like speaking truth to me. And one time I go back home and I, I know Jesus, but I'm still a young follower of Jesus. And I make fun of her weight again. Just because, you know, that's, that's what you call sinful nature that hasn't been transformed and redeemed. You know, you just do things that you used to do before. So I make a comment and she gets really mad. I laugh. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He says, hey, you need to apologize. I said, what? I've never done that in my life. He's like, well, it's time for you to do it. <laughs> um, you need to apologize. That was a terrible thing to do. And I said, but Holy Spirit, that was my sister. He's like, yes, even more so then. He said, but I've never done that before. He's like, yes, you're, you're now a different person. So, I mean, it was just so confusing to me because I've never done that. So I'm like, Holy Spirit, so, but how do I do it? Because... She's my sister and I've never done that. And it's so, so awkward. He's like, just ask for forgiveness. Apologize. It took me four hours. I'm pacing around. I go back home four hours later. I just can't take it anymore. I said, hey, sister, I need to tell you something. I made that comment earlier. I want you to forgive me. I am so sorry. That was very terrible. And, you know, my sister has never seen me do anything like that. And she's like, so, if you could see her face, like, what is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> what's happened to you? And she said, okay, I'll forgive you, you know. When you experience Jesus, he starts changing the very core of who you are. You start saying no to the things that used to totally dominate you and totally not free. It's, it's hard to, to explain what enslavement means until you're free. That's when you realize, oh my gosh, I was totally enslaved to that. When you feel freedom, there's nothing like it. It's, it's just what, when, you, when you escape that, all you want to do is tell people, listen, there's somebody who can free you from this. you got to meet this guy. you got to come and see. Meet this guy. And we just can't convince people. So all we, all we can do is invite them into the presence of God. And friends, that's what an ambassador of Christ does. He invite them, invites them into the presence of God. Jacob, my friend, didn't <laughs> know the whole Bible or anything like that. He didn't know how to preach or anything like that. But he knew how to make Jesus his Lord, how to be transformed. And what attracted me the most about Caiapha wasn't the preachings or the worship or anything like that. It was the fact that my friend Jacob was being transformed in front of my eyes. And I said, that's what I want. That's what we do in Caiapha. You see a picture later um, where Jacob baptizes me. So I gave my life to Jesus. It's time to get baptized. Uh, the next picture is my small group. And these are the guys who loved on me and fought for me and said, hey, let's, let's find Jesus. If it wasn't for, for them, I wouldn't have known Jesus. In Kaiapha, we, we believe in communities like these, small groups like these that fight for people and, and find people and feed them. That's what we, what we talk about in Kaiapha. And I want to talk to you, one of our students. The next picture, his name is Chris. Chris Zhang. He, he came to know the Lord um, while he was brought up. But in college, he was sort of, you know, kind of struggling with his faith. And he came to Chi Alpha, and we were able to, you know, teach him how to pray, teach him how to read the Bible, stuff like what I told you right now. And then this past year, he made a friend. Um, his friend was from, from China, and his name is Bill. Bill didn't know anything about Jesus. And Chris made, you know, became friends with him. And... Um, all Chris was doing was walking with Jesus and inviting Bill to come and see Jesus. Bill came and saw what Jesus did in Chris's life, in my life, in our friend's life in Chi Alpha. Two months later, Bill said, how do I find this person that has changed you? And we said, his name is Jesus. 
we should read the Bible together. So Chris starts reading the Bible together. A few weeks later, he said, I want to make a decision. So in front of Chi Alpha, Bill said, I want to tell you about my decision. I've never grew up in Christianity, but when I saw you guys, I saw something real. And I found that his name was Jesus. And I have decided to make him my Lord and walk with him for the rest of my life. So Bill got baptized this year, and, and it's just so exciting. Uh, but in Chi Alpha, we, I'm not here just preaching the gospel to everybody so people come to a service. We're making disciples who make more disciples who make more disciples. All Chris is doing is following Jesus and bringing someone along. That's all we do in Chi Alpha. That's all they do in foreign missions too. In Europe, in the Middle East, all they do is they do the work of what Philip said. They experienced Jesus and, t and told somebody, would you come and see? Would you come and see wonderful Jesus? Um, Rachel, if you can come on, on the keys. Um, so Jacob took responsibility and stepped out in his face. He took responsibility and loved me. This morning I'm inviting you to do the same. To be in, an, an, in this adventure of becoming an ambassador of Christ. To proclaim the gospel. To share the horseshoe experience with others. To be entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. Watching people be transformed by the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus. Um, so I want you to pray for just a couple minutes. And I, want, I invite you to pray for your city. I want you to pray that God will give you the boldness to make a new friend even. And maybe show them how wonderful Jesus is. And like Philip did, just say, hey, come and see Jesus. And not even come and see church. Come and see Jesus. The life-changing, powerful, amazing Jesus. And would you unselfishly invite people into the presence of God? That's what I want to invite you this morning. After I'm done praying, um, I'll be in the foyer. I want you to pray for our ministry in Ohio State. We need prayers more than anything right now. <coughs> because the darkness is defeated by prayer. And my people saying, come and see. Uh, so if you can grab a prayer card, that would be awesome. But let's pray. Jesus. <coughs> thank you for coming to earth. And Jesus, thank you for unselfishly choosing the higher good of humanity. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, that you suffered so much on this earth. And you faithfully walked with the Father to give us an example. Thank you, Jesus, that you have the power to transform us. Thank you, Jesus, that you have so much grace for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you teach us how to forgive people. Thank you, Jesus, that you teach us how to be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, that you teach us humility. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you teach us how to have grace for other people, how to receive grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you teach us how to be good fathers. Father, we pray for this city. Pray, Jesus, for, for the surrounding neighborhoods here. Would you start a revival in people's hearts around here, Father? Would you help us here in this church to invite people into your presence, to show them how amazing you are? Give us the boldness to be witnesses 
And Father, some of us here have not experienced that powerful, powerful gospel, life-changing gospel. I pray, Jesus, for my friends today that would experience this amazing, amazing gospel to be forgiven. Those who are working entirely for their salvation, for their identity, Father, would you give them rest? Would you show them just how good you are, Father? Pray that you teach us humility and show us grace. And that we'll, we'll see your gospel be proclaimed one person at a time. Disciples making more disciples. Thank you for being so wonderful. In your powerful name, Jesus, I pray all these things. And we all say, amen. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share with you this morning.